Hello, and welcome to Black Family Homeschool Educators and Scholars Podcast's Contemporary Perspectives on Black Homeschooling. I'm your host, Dr. Khadija Ali Coleman. <laughs> Today's guest is Gregory Wickham. Gregory is an education writer who has worked in multiple um, digital spaces, and he's a community organizer who runs New York School Tech, which connects students in need of technology with necessary equipment through donations. He's going to tell us a little bit more on how that works, but one of the things that is particularly of interest and relevant to the work that we do is that Gregory is also a 17-year-old homeschooler. So today he's going to talk with me about a lot of things, the state of education, his views on homeschooling, and um, in particular, um, an article that actually um, put Gregory in my purview. He wrote a piece that was called NYC Teen Says, those who benefit most from the school system are those who are lucky enough not to need it. And I can tell you that um, I was nodding and amening in the corner when I was reading this. And to find, I actually am part of a group that, um, an education group that his mother's part of, and um, she posted this article. And when I learned that the author of this piece was a 17-year-old junior who recently left um, his high school, Stuyvesant, we're going to talk about that, um, I was... I was mind blown and um, immediately reached out to Gregory to come in and be our first guest of the new year um, to really talk about his perspective. So before I even go any further, I want to say welcome, Gregory. Welcome to our show. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. I'm glad to be on this podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. So tell me, um, I guess it's, it's, it's so much, so much that you're doing. And so I'm going to break it into bite size so it doesn't become overwhelming. But this article in particular, it was published in December that just passed, December 2020. But it wasn't the first piece that you had written on education. But I'm curious as to what led to you feeling the need to, to write this piece. And if you can give us a little overview of on what the piece is about. Okay, well... <laughs> this piece was about my experience um, homeschooling and be, but not about homeschooling itself, about the reasons I was able to homeschool. And so many of my other peers either weren't able to or didn't and how my circumstances actually played into that a lot more than anything intrinsic to myself. It was really about how I was made ready rather than I necessarily prepared myself. Yeah. That was um, one of the things that stood out. So what you talk about in this piece is that um, the education system essentially caters to people like yourself who have the support system or have these opportunities that aren't really normative in the greater scheme of education. And so when schools are catering to children. So for instance, you, you put in the article how you talked about you have grandparents who are like scientists and all of these amazing people in your life. And, and so naturally, you're going to be influenced by this. So when you show up in the classroom, you're not showing up, you know, as Gregory, I don't know anything about science, so I don't have these opportunities. You're Gregory that has this amazing um, heritage of educators, of scientists, that feed into you knowing things, not often because 
it was taught in the school, but because this is part of your learning practice is inclusive of so much more than what is in the school. And so in your piece, which I thought was just such um, extraordinary and extraordinarily articulated, um, and not just because you're a child in general, right? Because you had these life experiences to, to illustrate your points. And you're saying, you said, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I was just so excited. So I, I could just be really happy and, and put my own um, <laughs> twist on things. But um, you, you were saying that s- schools could be made so much better if they are recognizing that students don't always show up with these opportunities and, and, um, and experiences that you had. And so you were occupying a space at this school, which um, this school is very competitive to get into, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're occupying a space and, and were considered for a space having all of these things already. It wasn't something that the school created. You know, you, you were this person, whereas they need to be a bit more sensitive to those students who show up and who have the capacity to learn and, and possibly be, you know, representative of all the things the school once, but they're not given the opportunity from jump because they're compared to students who already have so much already. Um, is that it? And, and you can tell me where I'm wrong or a little bit more that went into that. So that's definitely a major component. But another thing is, at least I personally think that the school system as it exists in America and like a lot of other countries too is kind of fundamentally unfit for the purpose of actually providing education to all of the people in a society. Mm-hmm. And of course, we should try to improve the system as we can. And my and this particular article that I w- wrote wasn't necessarily saying we should specifically change this or we should specifically change that. It was more highlighting some of the problems in hopes that it would expand people's understanding and perspective a bit so they can think about it in a more accurate and comprehensive way. Right, right. Um, and, and you had written a piece earlier in the year of, uh, that went more in depth as to what led you to ultimately choose homeschooling because it was, it was your choice as opposed to something that your parents suggested to you. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What was that journey to d- discovering that homeschooling was probably more of a fit for your learning um, practice? Well, my parents were very resistant to the idea of my homeschooling, even though from the time I was in, I think around third or fourth grade, I I initially wanted to skip high school and go to college. I tried that, that didn't work out. (laughs) And then I made a deal with my mom that I could try Stuyvesant for one year and then we could explore other options if it didn't work. But then, that didn't work out either. Um, But then finally, I think um, obviously a major component was um, the fact that we had to switch to distance learning Mm -hmm. because of the pandemic. And so it kind of um, was a catalyst. Um, Again, changing my circumstances or my material conditions. No, I'm not gonna be too Marxist. Um, No, but it changed (laughs) my circumstances um, so that it would, it was easier for me to persuade my parents by showing like an overwhelming amount of evidence and reasoning that I would be able to do better for myself than Stuyvesant could do for me. Mm-hmm. Was, were some of your parents' concern from your perspective 
more about what would happen to your chances for college? Um, was that part of the reason why they were resistant? Um, I don't think that was what their most important concern because, I mean, my two parents have slightly different perspectives. Um, my mom wanted me to sort of find a way to get at least an associate's degree or, or something while I was homeschooling myself because she actually was more worried about um, getting into college and degrees and things like that. Um, my dad, on the other hand, I think he was more confident that I could, but he was even more confident that I would definitely be on the right path if I stayed at Stuyvesant and then gone to college like he did, like my brother did, and like he very much wanted me to do. Right. <laughs> so there were a lot of factors that played into um, this decision. So it wasn't something where you just had, you said, I'm going to homeschool. So you really had to make an argument for it. Um, how, how long have you been homeschooling? Um, I officially started homeschooling in the beginning of November. Okay. Um, yeah, that's when I started, the beginning of November. Okay. So if we're looking in terms of how schools are broken down into semesters, so you had a full-fledged semester of homeschooling and you're, <laughs> moving, into, <laughs> you're moving into another semester. Do you, do you have any... Um, because it, it's really not that long, but it's enough time for you to kind of gauge or compare it to what your experience was like um, within a, a traditional school setting. What, were some, what have been some of the advantages, do you, would you say, to your learning practice? There are so many <laughs> benefits. Um, I'll try to start with the lar larger benefits first. Um, first of all, I can study more advanced subjects and I can study what I actually want to study and because one of the main pro one of my major problems with um, being in schools a lot of the time is that I would learn what they wanted me to learn but I'd also want the teachers to explain more things and oftentimes they didn't want to do that they had other students to teach they had a lot of things to do but now um, since I'm primarily studying from textbooks and Khan Academy first of all the information is much more organized very easy to work through. There's no teachers just going off on tangents and then like repeating the same point five times. But also it just, when I can actually work with myself, my mind to, and like just my natural like focus rhythms, I don't know, that's not a good way to put that. <laughs> but basically when I can actually listen to myself and study things for as long as I want and balance out my focus and attention across the various subjects I want to study, it just makes it so much easier and comfortable mm -hmm. to learn so I can actually get a lot more done. Right. So like I'm hearing pacing, like self-pacing and the ability to really just make decisions on what you're going to emphasize or, or focus on really has been more advantageous for you. It sounds like, however, before you even engaged in homeschooling, you had a, a learning practice, so to speak, that you were doing well. So yeah. I, I think we need to establish that you didn't choose homeschooling because school was something that you were not excelling in. You actually wanted to homeschool because you wanted to be able to focus on things that were of interest to you, right? Um, yes, I was, I was definitely by most standards doing very well at school and I wanted to homeschool because I thought I could do better for myself. But another thing to keep in mind is that I'm still doing this in a very um, limited way academic space in terms of 
because I still wanted to be able to present qualifications to colleges when I apply, I'm Mm -hmm. still preparing for AP exams. And so that does dictate a lot of what I study, but not Mm -hmm. necessarily so much how I study it. Very interesting. Um, And and, and thank you for uh, articulating that, because I think what you're saying is that it's essentially some of the same things that are studied in school. But you now are self-directed in terms of how you go about learning it, what you devote more time to. But it's still a college preparatory instruction that you've created for yourself. What, what mm-hmm. role do your, do your parents play in your homeschooling practice? Um, virtually no role. <laughs> do they like have they, a conversation? <laughs> I mean, sometimes they ask me how things are going. Um, and I like tell them about the progress I've made in my courses, like where I am in each mm-hmm. course so that they know I'm still on track to learn most of what I need to learn. Um, they obviously um, sign any of the papers I need for like quarterly reports and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, for part of my English, we incorporated some of my writing for New York School Talk. And so my mom um, has a lot to do with that area of my writing and English academics. Mm-hmm. You, you, you are 17. You are what would be considered a, a junior um, in traditional school talk, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> have, have you kind of started thinking about what you want to do? Um, you know, with college next up for you, have you started thinking about your professional interests or things like that? Yes, I've been thinking about college and career since I was very young. For a very long time, I wanted to go to MIT in part because that's where my dad went. That's not my top choice anymore. But in terms of colleges, I have thought a lot about it. And I essentially know where I want to go. And for careers, I'm reasonably confident that I'm going to be or I intend to study to become a programmer because that is something I like to do. And I am consider my Let's just end the sentence earlier. Um, would you like more details? <laughs> well, this is the thing, Gregory, is that that is definitely sounds like something that you're interested in. But what are you going to do um, for all of us who are just so impressed and and hungry for your voice? As you, you know, you're now a journalist. You now are a thought leader. You know, I, I, I used to hate that term. Right. But it, it's part of our lexicon. That's a thing now. Someone who has thoughts and they articulate them through think pieces. Right. And mm-hmm. you now have a portfolio of things that you've written around education as an authority on it, as someone who is a gifted would be considered, you know, a gifted student moving from a traditional school setting to a homeschool setting. All of these things that really push back against stereotypes of homeschooling. You know, you're a person of color who is, who excelled in school, you know, all self direct all of these things. Right. So how do you see that playing a role in your future? Is, is it too, too soon to tell? Well, I don't think it could possibly avoid playing a role in my future <laughs> because that's, I guess, just how, the flow of events works. I, I don't necessarily know what's going to happen. So many things have changed so quickly since just being a status and following normal path to where I am now that I can't really predict mm-hmm. how it might influence me in the future or where I 
might go with this. Okay. So that so that's your your nice way of telling me that maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but you know oh, that yeah, pro, no programming know. is your thing. That that's that's a, yeah. that's essential. So I as we speak of programming, one of the things that I mentioned when introducing you is that you have you told me earlier not to call an organization, even though I think it's exactly what a grassroots organization at the very least, you know, um, is. But um, you've put together a project where you are still, um, you know, doing great work for others. You know, I look at your journalism work as as great work, but this is something that you said is a new project. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what's it called? NYC Tech? NYC School Tech. Um, mm-hmm. It's at nycschooltech.com. Okay. Basically, it allows people who might have spare devices like laptops, tablets, smartphones to be able to list them on this site. And then any family um, who has a student who needs a device for their education can just go on the site and then claim the device. Um, each um, the donor and um, the recipient leave their emails, and then the system automatically, once someone claims a device, puts them in contact with each other so they can arrange delivery with themselves. The devices don't come through me. Um, that would add an extra layer we don't want. I wanted to base this more on the ideas of mutual aid rather than charity. I tried to talk to a few charities, but they have weird rules and stuff about exactly qualifying that people are needy enough. Right, but um, right. this does none of that. If you need a device, you can get one, assuming there are enough people offering devices. Do you do you uh, market this service to a, a certain group um, of, you know, are these people that attend a certain school, live in a certain area or anyone in, in New York City? For any student in New York City who needs a device, okay. the site's there for you. Is that where you're based in New York pretty much? Um, um, yeah, I'm in Manhattan. And you saw you saw a need for this um, with... Definitely. There was a slightly earlier version we did where we... Um, had a form for people to request devices. And I saw that there were definitely a lot of people who mm. still needed devices, even though the DOE was like pretending to help at least. <laughs> so this was you really seeing where the lack was given our global health pandemic with so many students, with, with mainly all students at some point being virtual. You know, we mm-hmm. do have some schools in our country where students have returned to the classroom, but for the most part, and especially in New York, virtual learning is the thing. So you saw, tell me about that. Like, because this is pretty impressive because this seems to have taken place. You doing this in the midst of you determining I'm, I want to homeschool. <laughs> so how did, you know, how did these two things kind of take place around the same time? Well, since the start of the pandemic, I've learned a lot of things and become much more aware of the world I live in partially because um, school wasn't taking every waking moment of my attention. Mm -hmm. And so my mom actually was the first person who brought to my attention how many people need devices. When she initially mentioned it, I thought, well, the DOE says they're distributing devices. People should be able to get devices. Um, Then there are other charities also doing things. Um, But once we actually started the project it took a little bit of like coaxing from my mom but eventually i put together a whole form we distributed it i started like looking at the data i tried to distribute devices and then it got out of hand so quickly with so many people requesting devices that i knew i needed a more efficient um more a mutual aid system rather than me trying to like figure out who needs what and like right. coordinating it all myself so did you um is that what you applied your software training to was the de- um doing the code for th- for this yes. site? Making the website, I took like three or four days straight almost just programming the site, making exactly 
the way I wanted it to work. And I was pretty happy with what I got done. And so that's what that is now. Wow, that's very impressive. Um, it, it, you, you're just an impressive person. And so I, I can't, be, I, you know, I'm going to belabor that to the very end of this interview is that you're just an, an, an impressive person. Um, the work that you, you're doing, I am part of what, you know, this educational industry, right? I recently got my doctorate um, last year after decades of working as an educator, as being a homeschooling mother and, you know, reading your work um, and even my dissertation involved actually hearing from the voice of young people who are homeschooled instead of having their parents continue to speak for them, right? Everyone's sick of hearing us. What are the homeschooling students saying? And so reading your pieces is really aligned with what I wanted my study and the work that I do to go where the children, the young people are the ones that are informing us instead of us as adults saying, this is it, this is how it is. And so you are um, definitely an ideal when it comes to this practice and this choice for families. And I thank you so much for joining us today, Gregory, as we wind down, is there anything that you would like um, folks to know in terms of um, not necessarily to, to contact you, but to maybe help with your, your project that you're working on or to check out some of your written work, any, any place you want to direct folks? Well, to Donate devices and help contribute to NYC School Tech. Definitely go to nycschooltech.com and you can contact me um, with the email info at nycschooltech.com. And then for my writing, you can go to New York School Talk at newyorkschooltalk.org. Um, I'm Gregory Wickham, so you should be able to find my writings that way. Wonderful. So thank you so much. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Um, make sure that as you listen, that you are checking out Gregory's work. Um, we're going to be posting on our Black Family Homeschool Educators and Scholars um, Facebook page and in our resource group um, more. I, I already posted the article that I mentioned in my resource group and got so much feedback from folks. They were so impressed. Um, but all of the ways that you can support Gregory's wonderful work, I'm going to make that available um, on our fan page. And I'm, I'm looking to hear more great things from Gregory. Thank you, Gregory. And, um, and we're out. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year.